was a radical thing for me. And then they said, we need people to set up chairs. I'll do it. Well, we need people to work at a Sunday school. I'll do it. We need someone to run a summer camp for kids. I'll do it. I just said yes to everything because now I had the time. So I could do just about everything. And here's what happens when you find someone to love and you start volunteering for things. You quickly find out there's some things you do you're terrible at and it would be best if you didn't do it because it's not blessing anybody. And then you find out there's some things that you are doing fairly well and you're getting positive feedback from people and you start to realize this, this over here is working. This over here is a disaster. So I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to specialize for a while in this. But I'll keep on saying yes to other things because who knows? I don't know the whole package. So you begin experimenting, trying all sorts of service in the church. That's the practical place to begin, you know. When in doubt, start in the church because these are your brothers and sisters and they're going to tolerate your failures, which in my case was pretty spectacular. (laughs) Teaching children's church, cleaning up the building, being an usher, joining the choir only if you can sing. Working with teenagers, God help us. Going out on street ministry, counseling at summer camps, hosting a home group, etc. What if you fail at most of what you try? Well, now you know what you're not good for. See, there's no loss here. You're refining, you're coming to understand this is who God made me to be and this is, this is what I can do. How many times did... Thomas Edison have to test a filament substance in a vacuum to find one that would not burn up and would give light. How many different substances did he have to try before he found one to make the light bulb? Over 2,000. I think it was like 2,700 or something like Can you see his wife? <laughs> Tom, what's, what's the... I, I'd like a piece of your hair, honey. I'm going to try hair next. Then I'm going to try a fingernail. And I'm going to try everything. And I'm going to go on the barn and find some straw. I mean, I don't, I'm just going to try everything in the universe. And he pretty much did. It took him years and years. He never quit. He was relentless. He just kept experimenting. And that's what we do. We just keep experimenting. So the first one is start by just experimenting with various things that are loving. And oftentimes that's just practically serving somebody in some menial way. Jesus did wash the disciples' feet, remember? He took the form of a servant. He modeled that and said, this is now how you should be. So experiment is number one. Number two, assess the results of your experiment to love. 1 Corinthians twelve seven says this, Now to each one the manifestation, the working of the Spirit, is given for the common good. We don't focus on the common good. We focus on the first part of the verse. But if something's given for the common good, then if it's going to be your spiritual gift, all you have to do is look and see if it's blessing somebody. If it's blessing somebody or or, or a few people, then it's probably part of what you were designed for. So we're looking for the common good. We're looking for what blesses people. If you prepare a message for your home group, your connect group, it's your turn. And you've, you've been, you know, you, would you like to speak at the connect group? No. Well, we want you to anyway. Oh, okay. And you prepare something and you study the Bible and you put it together and you sort of organize it and you give it. 
and somebody says, wow, that was really good, but they actually meant it, right? Like, a lot, most of them will tell you it was really good when it wasn't because they're loving, and their gift is encouragement. So you're, you're kind of being lied to here, and you've got to sort out the fact from the fiction. You've got to look them in the eyes. Elvis? Do you get anything out of my teaching at Connect Group? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Phew! Well, he told the truth. You've got to ask the people you could trust to tell you the truth, but when a bunch of people you can trust to tell you the truth say, man, that was really good. And here's the kind of comments you get. I'd never thought about it like that before. Ching. Wow. I've always wondered what that verse meant, but when you explained it, it's just like the light came on. Or, you know... Every time at church that you give me a hug, I really feel loved. Seriously. Ever had that experience? There's some people when they hug you, it's like, God's hugging me right now and I'm going to cry. Always a good sign. When people cry when you do something, really good. Really positive. Really good. Yeah. When they weep unconsolably and ask you to leave, that's not the same as when they cry when it's good. You assess the results. Is this making a difference for somebody? And they'll, they'll give you feedback. They'll let you know. And make a note. Whatever that was, I'm going to try that again. I'm going to try that a few more times. And if you keep getting good feedback, that doesn't say this is the only thing you're going to do, but whatever it is, is a really good place to start and begin to refine that gift. Assess the results of your experiments. Is it blessing somebody? Okay, number three. Trust in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. One, it's not the only way, and I don't think it should be the first way. But what you want to do and what you like to do and what you, gives you joy in doing it, is a good sign that this is what you were made for. I remember I was doing the wedding of an old friend in Phoenix, and a Canadian old friend in Phoenix, and a bunch of people came down from Canada that I hadn't seen for 20-some years. And one of them very successful, developed a very successful ad, ad agency, and he was uh, worth a ton of money, and we were sitting at the table talking, and he said, this is a long time ago, he said, uh, when are you going to retire? And I thought about it, and out of my mouth came, I, I don't think I will retire. And he said, why not? And I said, well, I'm doing what I was made for, and there isn't anything better than doing what you're made for. I don't think I want to retire. And, you know, <laughs> he looked at me honestly, and he said, I wish I could say that, but I can't. When you find what you're made for and what your spiritual gift is and you refine it as a ministry and you begin doing it, the sense of fulfillment and joy that it brings is unparalleled in any other experience. You don't do it because you have to. You do it because it brings you life. You come alive when you do that. You come alive in a, in a way that nothing, nothing else will touch. So 
your own internal feedback. Is this making me come alive? Do I feel joy when I do this? Is a, is a very positive indicator that you're on the right track. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I love this. This is that the witness of joy, the, uh, the evidence of joy. Jesus said this, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commands and I remain in his love. I've told you this. Anyone want to finish the sentence? I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Keeping his commands, that sounds very legalistic and you could read it like there's just a bunch of rules and as long as I keep the rules, I will have his joy. But his first and foremost command, the new command, I give you a new commandment, the paramount commandment above all other commandments. Yes. Love one another. Love one another. So when we develop our gifts and we find what we're made for and we begin serving in it, strangely, we get this wonderful unintended consequence, which is we begin to feel his joy. We come alive and we begin to feel his joy so that my, so that my joy may be complete. Another time he said, I tell you all this so that my joy may be in you and that my joy may be complete in you. There is no fulfillment in life that parallels or even comes close to, equals or comes close to, the joy of loving well. And the way we do this is by using our spiritual gifts. Okay, how else might you discover your spiritual gifts? This is a really easy one. Ask your leaders for their honest assessment. Do you really want to know? <laughs> like, tell me honestly, am I good at this or not? Tell me honestly, should I keep on doing this or not? Am I blessing people or not? And if they say no, don't take it as the worst rejection. Don't take it personally because they're a coach. They're a coach. How many NFL players have I listened to who wanted to be quarterbacks? Most of these kids coming up through the system, high school and everything else, man, I'd give my right arm to be a quarterback, except you can't because you've got to throw passes. But <laughs> I'd give anything to be a quarterback. And I remember one guy, he wanted to be a quarterback. He actually was a high school quarterback. And then he got to college. And the college coach said, you're okay, but I think you'd make a good wide receiver. I think you should be a wide receiver. And the guy was like, are you kidding me? Said, Come on. I want to be quarterback. No, just let's, let's try you as a wide receiver. Ends up a world-class wide receiver. See, sometimes people see things in you that you don't see in yourself. And you've got to be open to it. It's not correction. It's direction. You're not asking for correction. You're asking for direction. Uh, what, what do you see in me that I should work on? What, sh what can I develop? What can be my next step? How can I be used around here that moves in this direction? 
And yes, you're submitting yourself to a leader, but they're there to help you discover and refine and grow in your gifts. So if you let them be honest with you, you're going to take a great step forward. I remember Peter Wagner, professor at Fuller Seminary, once saying that uh, <laughs> in his student years in seminary, there was a guy who, no matter what he did that week, he always came back to class with a story of leading someone to the Lord. Like he literally led people to the Lord like an evangelist on the bus, at the, at the store, at the park, whatever. He was just leading people to the Lord pretty much constantly. And everybody in the class envied him. He was like the perfect one. Peter Wagner said, I compared myself to him and I hadn't led anybody to the Lord that year. And he felt terrible. And then the Lord spoke to him and said, I didn't make you to be him. I made you to be yourself. Stop trying to be him and just be who you are in me. And he did. And he said that was the greatest day of his life because he became free of trying to be someone he wasn't. And now he can be who he is. And your leaders can often help you uh, to see, is this really you? Is this authentic to who you are? And if not, let's try something else. So get that, get that feedback. No leader enjoys disappointing a church member, so you might have to encourage them to be completely honest. <laughs> you steal yourself up and say, okay, just tell me the truth here. I'm ready for it. Okay, number five. Hang around those in church who have the spiritual gift you feel called to. Just hang around them. They, they don't have to take you on as a, as a disciple or something. Just be around them while they're doing what they do. Uh, when the Holy Spirit came to us in Canada, came to our church, um, it came through the gift of healing first, which is pretty cool because healing's like really wonderful. Yeah, and, and it didn't come with a lot of pro prophetic ministry. But people in the church, they kept saying, well, we need, you know, you need to bring a prophet in. You need to bring a, a prophet in. And I'm thinking, that's so creepy. I mean, that's just a weird guy's getting up and reading your mail and telling you about your past and your future. I mean, it's kind of cheesy, you know. Let's just stick with healing people. That'd be a lot better. And they pestered me. Oh, no, no, you should get a prophet in. I, no, no, I shouldn't. Yes, you should. No, I shouldn't. I'm the boss. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> till, till, till tomorrow, then I'll start bothering you again. And uh, they, they had this. This is up in Canada. And they said, well, there's this guy coming from Texas, from West Texas, Throckmorton, Texas. Have you ever heard of that? Me neither. I thought it was a kind of bird. No, yeah, there's a Throckmorton. Turns out it's a place. So they said, get him to come. He should come. I, he's, a, he's a good guy. You're going to like him. So I relented. And we had an uh, evening meeting at the church. There's a whole bunch of people there, and I knew most of them really well. And this guy gets up, and he doesn't know anybody. He just gets up to do it. And he starts prophesying over people. I'm telling you, it's like he's nailing who they are. He's talking about things in their past. I had a skeptic come. He was a lawyer in, in the church, and he was really skeptical about this stuff. 
And he had him stand up. And he told him about a case he was working on. He was blown away. He knew this, this is real now. So he's, he's doing this meeting, and I'm watching this, and he's just hitting accuracy one person after another. And we had a coffee break in the middle. And I went up to him, and I said, it's incredible watching you. I said, it's the most amazing thing. How do I learn how to do this? There's the other thing. Be aggressive. Don't be passive about this. If it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. So I said to him, how do I learn how to do this? I want to learn how to... Because here's the thing. He didn't have a Rolex. He wasn't wearing a white three-piece suit. And he didn't have speech affectations. He was just a regular guy from Texas. There are no regular people from Texas. <laughs> I'm teased, these, 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 this one right here is from Texas. So, so uh, how do I learn how to do this? I want to learn how to do this. And he said, well, we're going to start again after the coffee break. He said, come and stand beside me while I'm doing it. I said, okay. Why? He said, well, because thoughts are going to come to you while I'm doing it, and then you whisper them to me, and I'll tell you if they're from the Lord or not. Really? Yeah, that sounds so easy. So I get up there, and I'm standing right beside him, listening to him doing his prophecy thing, and all of a sudden thoughts start coming in my head, like a message. Tapped him, I said, whispered in his ear, he goes, give it. I said, no, I, I just wanted to see if it was from God. He goes, well, it is, give it. <laughs> um, um, I think the Lord says, blah, 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 blah. crying. It, it was that easy. He said, I said, why was it, I asked him afterwards, why was it so easy? He said, well, when the spirit of prophecy comes through a prophetic person, it's all over the room. It's not just for that guy, that girl. He said, you should be sensitive and listen and pay attention to your thoughts when these things are happening because there's a decent chance it'll be the Lord. That was the beginning of prophetic ministry in my life. But you have to be aggressive enough to say, I want to know how to do this. What can I do? Show me. And you make yourself accountable to someone, and it begins, often begins to happen. See, here's the coolest thing, you guys. When God gives a spiritual gift to you, it becomes utterly natural to you. You don't have to struggle to do it. it, it it's a spiritual gifting. It's coming from the Spirit within you. So you have a huge faith that it's easy. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have an automatic faith that it's easy because for you, it is easy. It's what the Spirit's doing through you. You don't have to work it up. This means you are a little container of high faith for that particular gift. So when someone comes to you and says, I want to learn how to do it, you already have the gift to lay hands on them. And if it is their calling, you can activate that with your faith because you have a high belief it's easy. So you say, hey, Rick, just come and stand from, with me while we do this. It's going to be easy. I've done this with people on their trips to Mexico. A guy in the church, we were going down to Guadalajara, and uh, he'd, come, he'd come to church because one of his employees had been healed in, in um, one of our services here. And afterwards, he said, how did that happen? What's going on? And I gave him a prophetic word right then and there that was really accurate. And he said, how do you do that? And I said, you come with me to Mexico for a week. 
And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I'm going to go down to Guadalajara, and we're going to be doing things down there. And um, you come with me, and I promise you that by the end of the week, you will be prophesying over strangers accurately, or I'll pay for your trip. And he wasn't a fool. He did the math. This is a no, I can't lose in this. So he came, and we were in Leon, and we were dealing with a pastor's meeting. There was about 30 pastors there. It was a pastor's gathering. And he'd had a dream the night before. And on the way to the pastor's gathering, he shared his dream. It was about a high school coach and a track team and how this coach was handling his, his athletes. And uh, he told me this real vivid dream. And I said, you're going to share that at the pastor's meeting because it's prophetic. God wants to use it. So he was flustered. Like, Come on. I said, no, I told you. By the end of the week, you're going to be prophesying over strangers and it's going to be accurate. And now you have to because I need to pay for it if it doesn't work. So you're going to get up there and do it. He, he got up there and gave the message. And it was about how this coach had a father's heart for his kids. And when he started talking about the father's heart for these kids, pastors, these are, these are Mexican men. You understand? Machismo, nobody shows weakness. Nobody cries. They're crying all over the room. It's devastation. It's so good. And, that, and, and, and he realized, I can do this. Because you have faith for what God's given you to do, and you can impart that faith to others and help them develop it, if that's their calling. If not, it won't work. But if it's their calling, that's one of the ways that it gets activated. Okay. Read good books about the gift you want to grow in. Get educated. Ask questions. When we went to Mexico, between every meeting, that guy pummeled me with questions constantly about physical healing and about prophecy. I taught him everything I know about everything. And by the end of the week, he got a, he got a lot of really valuable information. And he was growing. So be aggressive about it. Read good books. Ask good questions. Be relentless in your pursuit. Remember what Paul said. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And the Greek word there is to go hunting for. Like aggressively go out to bag it and bring it home. It's a passion. It's a zealous pursuit. Take risks. Take risks with the gift Gifts come by faith, and faith is spelt R-I-S-K. From now on, start spelling faith R-I-S-K. Because <laughs> no risk, no gain. You've, we've, got, we've got to take risks with it. What do they look like? Well, risk, risk in this context means your pride is going to take a hit because sometimes you're going to be wrong. Risk is... I don't mind looking foolish in this because every time I fail, I learn something. And I'll get better at it. We have to. And by the way, it's really good. I was with Dennis 
in um, Ensenada. And it, with, there were so many people to prophesy over that we had to, he set five of us up across the front of the church. And there were so many people coming that was long lines in front of each of us. And I hadn't been doing this in public. This is the early days for me. I hadn't been doing this in public, so I was really intimidated. And um, the first four or five people that came up, my words were incredibly accurate. It was like, wow, that's incredible. And they were all just, this is incredible. And I was going, this is incredible. <laughs> and, this, and this is incredible. And I am incredible. Oh. Right? starting to get a little intoxicated with this. Then there was three in a row, all these accurate ones, and three in a row, completely wrong. Absolutely, completely wrong. And I freaked out, and I got scared, like I'm, I'm crashing and burning here. This is really bad. And then they started to be accurate again. And when I went to bed that night, I said, Lord, what was going on there? I said, the first several were really accurate. Then they, they were awful. Then they were accurate again. What was that? And he spoke this thought in my mind. Well, you were getting proud, so I just had to show you it wasn't all about you. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> like, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll let you know when you're messing it up, if you'll listen to him, and then you get back on track again. Oh, this is really funny. So Dennis is standing beside me. He's got a, a line of people, and I've got a line of people. And they're working their way up. And this young man comes up. He's standing in front of Dennis. And I, I see this. And Dennis doesn't say anything. No prophetic words. Kid's just standing there. I'm prophesying over this guy. Dennis takes the kid by the shoulders, shoves him in front of me, and says, you do it. Like, wow, that's weird. So I wait on the Lord. And I said, uh, you don't have a father. You've never had a father. You've never had a spiritual father. You need to come under, under the protection and guidance of a, an older person. <laughs> this, is, this is risky. I pointed to a pastor at the back and I said, that guy's your spiritual father. You need to connect with him and submit to him and start to learn from him. And the kid's like, okay, so good luck. So afterwards... <laughs> Hey, we just deliver the mail. We don't write the letters, all right? So UP, I'm a UPS driver. I, I didn't pick this gift. I didn't pay for this gift for you. Are you Jung Schmutznick of 1452 Calamity Avenue? Yes. This is your gift. Goodbye. Okay. Anyway, so I took Dennis aside afterwards. I said, why did you shove that kid in front of me? Like, why didn't you prophesy over him? Dennis said, oh, I saw all his sin. I saw all his sin. He's rebellious. He won't come under authority. He won't accept a spiritual father. I said, why'd you give him to me? Dennis said, because you're a nicer person than me, and I knew you wouldn't tell him that. <laughs> I said, but my word wasn't about his sin. All I said was he needed blah, blah, blah. And Dennis said, that's why I gave him to you. Because I was going to chew him out and you wouldn't. Isn't that the coolest? Do you remember that, Dennis? That night? It was great. I really learned something. I'm a nicer person than Dennis. 
Now, I could have asked anyone that, and they'll all tell me, but I had to find it out through the Lord. Okay. Pride is always your enemy. Pride is always your enemy. Never more so than when you're taking risks. So it is good to fail sometimes. It is good to be wrong because you learn and your pride takes a hit. So just embrace risk. Just say, yeah, yeah, the whole thing's risky by definition. So I'm going to accept the risk. I'm just going to try stuff. So you start talking to strangers. You start witnessing to strangers. You think you maybe you got, we were, I'm going to dis, I love picking on Dennis. Dennis, Dennis grew up in a, a tradition where prophecy was mostly done in the church. And that's how, you know, you read the Apostle Paul, you look at Corinthians, it's mostly done in the church. The tradition I grew up in was it's mostly done in the street. It's a, it's a means of evangelism. So it's just two ways of looking at it. We, we were doing a meeting somewhere, and we'd done a lot of prophecy in the church, and we went to an ice cream shop for a break. And we're standing there getting an ice cream, and, and uh, I looked at the girl making up the ice cream, and I said, would you like to know what God's thinking about you? She said, yeah. I said, Dennis? <laughs> and Dennis went, what? And I said, Dennis, she wants to know what the Lord's thinking about her. I said, you're a pride. He goes, I don't do I just only do this in church. I said, no, you do this here. You know, do it now. So he did, and it was great. She's like, wow, that's amazing. And I had most of the ice cream. Got it all eaten before he got his. I made that up, that last part. Have we had some times or what? We've really had some times. Okay, you're not going to like this, but we're almost done. Commit to your local church unconditionally. Give yourself to your faith family with everything you can. Without a radical commitment to your local church, inconvenience will end up making most of your ministry choices for you. Hello? That, that hurt. Yeah, this is important. Guys. Without a radical commitment to your local church, inconvenience will end up making most of your ministry choices for you. Do you understand? In the world we live in, inconvenience is horrible. I had to wait 10 minutes for that. 10 minutes. This coffee is 2 degrees lukewarm. 2 degrees lukewarm. I paid for this. <sighs> right? I mean, first, first world problems are what? So we'll always find a reason not to do something. There's always a good... Listen, if you're looking, there's always a good reason not to go to church. Always. <laughs> Football's on. <laughs> it's football season. Come on. There was a guy back in the other church, I won't mention names, 10 years ago. When the Chargers were playing a Sunday morning game, he wouldn't come to church, which is okay, except he's on the worship team. <laughs> like, you're on the worship God team, the worship God, worship God, not football. And I said to him, I share your pain, because I'm a monster football fan. I share your pain. I said, that's why Jesus invented the DVR. 
He gave us the DVR so we can have our cake and football too. Like, I said, come on. You go back. You don't talk to anybody. I said, I know it's hard. You got to get in the car. And if someone pulls out their phone and starts, hey, I got the results of the game. Just say, grab your cross. And you say, get thee behind me, Satan. Shut up. I don't want to know. I'm going home to watch the game. I used to have to tell people, don't talk football this morning. And when church is over, don't tell me how anybody's doing. I just want to go home and watch it. But you can do that. The Lord will grace you with that. And you can go home and you can watch it. So I said, and you get to fast forward through all the commercials. You turn three and a half hours into two hours. I mean, it's brilliant. God is amazing. He's so creative. And he goes, it's not the same as, as in real time. He said, you're out of your mind, boneheaded idiot. Well, anyway, so the Chargers never won when he was watching. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So commit. The first place to start your spiritual gifts is in your home church. And it spreads out from there. You know that verse, a little bit pressed down, a little bit shaken, pressed down together. It's going to yield you get more. As you use a little, you get more. This is the place we start. And God expands the jurisdiction of your ministry. As you're faithful in the little things, he expands it to the bigger things. It's how he does it. So this is the place to begin. Okay, one more and we're done. Perseverance. The P word. Perseverance. Genuine ministry has a courting, honeymoon, marriage, and let's go for counseling stage. Okay? In the beginning, it's not love, it's infatuation. And it's wonderful. And there's nothing like being used by God. And there's a honeymoon. And everything's easy. And then there's marriage, and it's not so easy. You have to learn to be unselfish, to take risks, to be committed to work at it. And sometimes there's a let's go for counseling phase. You approach burnout sometimes and you want to quit. And God has to find a way to restore your passion. And he does. The Bible says this, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. 2 Timothy 4, 2 And here's a really good one. Do not grow weary in doing good works, for at the proper time, God's time, we will reap a harvest if we do not, my translation is give up. Just persevere. This message we have to hear many times in our life because the temptation in all of those things, work, marriage, friendships, football, (laughs) siblings, whatever is, don't give up. Don't quit. Just keep going. Don't quit. For at the right time, you are going to reap a harvest if you don't give up. Okay? So I was grasping for an application, a spiritual application to this message, and it just came to me. So let's do this. Here are the, gosh, there's like nine of them. Here's what we covered. Time, they make it ten. Is it a time issue? 
Is there something you need to let go of that's consuming a chunk of your time that is not productive for the kingdom? And you could take that time and you could begin investing it in all of these other nine things. If time is your issue, give it to the Lord. Give Him your time. Just give it to Him. And say, Lord, you're the boss of my time. What do you want me to do with it? What should I let go of to make more time to pursue you and serving you? And he'll tell you that. He'll say, give this thing up over here. The first one for me in my marriage, my first marriage, which wasn't going well at all, And I said, Lord, what do you want me to, how can I express my love to her? How can I let her know I really love her? And he said, give up Monday night football. What did you say? Give up Monday night football. It just about killed me, but I gave up Monday night football. Didn't save the marriage, but it was the right thing to do. And it's training for later. So there might be something in your life that's a good thing, but it's not the best thing. And God wants to replace a good thing with the best thing. Sometimes we sacrifice the good to wait for the best. And Holy Spirit, whoever's here and it's a time issue and something to give up to free up more time for you, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll just simply speak it to them and convict them of it and then help them choose. So time is huge. Experiment. Start, start trying things out. Say yes to stuff. Try it out. Assess the results of your experiments. Am I loving someone? Are they being blessed? Is anything changing because of what I'm doing? Three, what gift am I passionate about that I really want to learn to do? Ask your leaders for their honest assessment. Hang around those in the church who have the spiritual gift you feel called to. Read good books about what you are trying to discover. Take risks. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Take risks. Commit to your local church unconditionally. Find a way to be useful, to love. And finally, persevere. Because it's not always easy. It's not. Sometimes it's just plain hard and tiring, and sometimes people don't say thank you when they should. But you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for Him. You're doing it for Him. Okay, close your eyes, please. Now, one or two of those hit you. One or two of those danced and said, I'm important. And you knew this is the one. This is one I need to pay attention to. Is it time? Is it experiment? Find someone to love. Assess the results. What gift am I passionate about? Should I ask my leader for honest assessment? Hang around those in the church who are doing what I feel called to do? Read good books. Take risks. Commit to the church. 
persevere. Holy Spirit, which one do you want to apply or which couple do you want to apply to each one of us right now? Which one is it? Okay, if the Holy Spirit's singled out one or two of those, just put your hand up. Okay? Lord, I pray right now for everyone that heard something from you that you will touch their wills with Jesus' will. Touch their wills, Lord, with the desire to do this thing that you've convicted them of. Holy Spirit, come now and fill each one of us with a passion and a will to do the thing that you have outlined for us, for each one of us. Holy Spirit, I'm praying now for, for mental images of them seeing in their own mind right now doing the thing that you highlighted. See yourself doing that thing that the Spirit just showed you. See yourself doing it and see it working. The Holy Spirit says to you, this is, this is my ministry through you. This isn't something you empower. This is something I'm empowering in you. And you don't need to doubt and wonder and fear. Will I succeed? You're just going to trust me. And I'm going to do it through you. Touch us, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us with your love and your power. Help us to trust you in what you're leading us towards. Amen. Amen. We have... Uh, Four minutes. Any questions or comments? Questions or comments? Yeah. That's really good. Did you all hear that? Anything else? supernatural it's a training Bob and I did the book because we've seen a lot of bad prophecy and we thought we need to we need to do a really good course in developing the prophetic ministry within you and that's why we wrote it and we tried to answer every single conceivable question that could come up about prophetic ministry and Honestly, it is a really good book. 
So if you want to get that, you can get it on Amazon, you can get it on Kindle, Reluctantly Supernatural in an Age of Reason. Or if you want a hard copy, um, just let me know and I'll bring some. Not next week because I'm in Guadalajara, but the week after that, whatever, the week after that. It's a good course. It really is. Well, thank you, April. I'll give you the $20 in a few minutes. <laughs> Dennis? all over. One of the dreams I had for when Dennis and April came to this church, because Dennis has a mission station down in Jaramillo, uh, two hours south of Ensenada, was that we could take people down there to work in the local churches and, and do ministry of all sorts. Now that COVID's over, we can probably do some of those trips. And I believe you, your life will change. It's a powerful thing to get out there and expose yourself to real powerful ministry so that holds a lot of promise for us yeah okay go find someone to love okay. go find someone to love go 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 <laughs> oh ministry teams yeah gosh yeah, what that. an idiot <laughs> ministry teams come on up here dennis and april why don't you come up and you can pray for people we'll pray for people so if if you've got any concern, anything going on in your life, physical, financial, relational, spiritual, whatever, and you would like prayer, come on up and we'll pray for you. Okay? All right. Great. Why don't you help me pray for her? Keisha. Keisha. Keisha, I'm just going to... Oh, shut this off. Let's 